Hi there, ladies and gents. Thanks so much for tuning back in with us here at the Golf Fanatics podcast hosted by yours truly, Andrew Rice. Today, once again, all our guests are special. I've said that before. We've got a rock star of golf instruction, somebody who is going to, in my estimation, become a household name. And one thing she does so, so well is she angles, positions her information to help the everyday golfer. And that's really what we're all about here at Golf Fanatics, is speaking in a language that you, the everyday golfer, can understand. We talk about topics you can relate to, and we certainly try to both entertain and educate you. So thanks so much for joining in. As per usual, we do have a sponsor of each episode, and this episode, our fifth episode, is sponsored by Arcos Golf. So today, very, very special lady, very, very special golf coach, uh, Erica Larkin. Erica is, uh, I'm so proud to be a faculty member alongside her for Golf Fanatics, and uh, she is going to be a true rock star. I'm so happy to be alongside her in the Golf Fanatics faculty lineup. Uh, I know she's going to do amazing things. She works her tail off. Uh, what she has achieved in quite a short amount of time is second to none. And the only way that can happen is you've got to be A, really good, but B, you've got to work really, 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 really hard. Erica, thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, Andrew. This is exciting. Yes, it is. You know, it's we get to sit down and banter and, you know, do what we can to help the everyday golfer out there, the average weekend golfer. How can we help them? And, you know, as per usual, I've got a bunch of questions lined up. And so what we're going to do, I'm going to ask some questions and I want you to feel free to talk about any topic that you would like. If we end up going down some rabbit hole, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. We've got a little bit of an agenda, but if we pitch it aside, I know we're going to come up with some good information that everybody can benefit from. Uh, one of the things that I would like to ask, because I know this, when you stand out on the lesson tee like I do, like you do, for so many years, amazing things happen. Whether it's lesson tea or golf course, amazing things happen. And I know we've got together a couple of weeks ago and, uh, you know, you sit down invariably after dinner over drinks and people start telling these great golf stories. Uh, come on, give us a couple. What have you got for us? <laughs> oh, goodness gracious. Of actual stuff that's happened out there. Oh, man. Um, that, that you can share with us. That you can share. <laughs> Well, our driving range at Creighton Farms is adjacent to the main road, and uh, there is a, a substantial tree line that uh, is the boundary and helps protect against a lot of golf balls going into that road. Trees are tall enough, but uh, when I'm lined up kind of on that side of the driving range, I'm always a little nervous, especially when I'm teaching a slicer, right-handed slicer, that those balls yeah. are going to end up in the road. And I'm sure if you have and nothing has come of it, but uh, right now, I, I feel as I'm watching people hit, I can usually predict if that's going to be okay or not, you know. But this one guy comes for a lesson, and he's a, a senior long drive, uh, aspiring long drive player, okay, long drive contestant. Okay. And uh, <laughs> he is just making some extremely hard swings at the ball. 
uh, swinging out of his shoes, not so much control, trying to rein him in, but at the same time support his goals, you know? Yeah. yeah and yeah. he just he just lets a couple rip and they're just going right over the trees. And I'm saying, aim a little bit more left, my friend, <laughs> aim more left. And he just, I couldn't get him to stop slicing it so bad. We had to take a break and, and ultimately uh, we, we did get him fixed up. But in those few golf balls that entered the road, uh, one did hit an oncoming car oh. and shattered the windshield. And those people pulled over and came in through the gatehouse to find this golfer that had done the damage, at which point his timing was good because this guy had already, he had already left. They just missed him. And I just yeah. pleaded the fifth. And uh, unfortunately, I think the golf course had to uh, deal with the, you know, incident <laughs> report, but I felt so bad. It's the only time so far in my history at this golf course that, that I, that I know that that has actually happened, but I just felt so bad for the people. I mean, can you imagine what the shock is of this oh, big drive coming and hitting your yeah. windshield? Um, and the That's fact that this loud. guy didn't, didn't have to face his, uh, his maker, you know, so, <laughs> oh goodness. You know, that, that brings everyone. to mind a great story that, that kind of ties in to those, along those lines that I experienced once we, we had taken a group of golfers over to Ireland and we were playing at one of my all time favorites, Bally Bunyan. And so it's early in the morning. We're playing 36 holes this day and it's the Bally Bunyan's the first round. So it's early in the morning and there's a graveyard kind of about, you know, 150 yards short and right off the first tee. And so this one guy hits this mega pop up high off the toe into the graveyard. So we're all giving him stick. You know, you got to hit some kind of special <laughs> shot to hit that in there. So he, he goes to the second hole. He hits a good drive and second hole is a long, hard par four up the hill. And he takes a hybrid and he hits his second shot, his hybrid in the hole. Okay, and we oh, said, oh, this please. must be the, the spirits, the ghosts of golf, you know, you've awoken them. So he gets to the, gets to the third hole, which is a long downhill par three with the road to the left. There's a big high fence and almost like a trailer park to the left of the road on the opposite side of the road. So he gets up on the tees feeling really good. And it's, it's another hybrid. And he hits this sweeping hook over the fence, one hop on the road. And it clatters into a trailer. Okay. <laughs> really loud. Like we're standing there and we're like, okay, what else are you going to do? You know, this guy's played three holes and he's hit three incredible shots. So we get up by the green and some guy comes stumbling out in his PJs. Okay. <laughs> and oh he's, holding up, he's holding up the golf ball and he says, here's your bleep ball. <laughs> And he whips it over the fence at us <laughs> and goes back to bed. I mean, it's like 7.15 in the morning, you know, we yeah. did up really early. Yeah. And uh, yes, a loud noise to get your day, get your day going. <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, so many. Yeah, so many fun things like that have happened over the years, for sure. There are. It, it really is incredible when you just stand in one place day after day after day and you have so many different people coming through and, you know, they hit a variety of shots. Some really crazy, great stuff can happen, isn't it? Oh, some wild golf swings. And sometimes I'm observing things that are happening on the driving range, you know, in my, in my eyesight beyond oh, yeah. my lesson bubble. So I'm watching oh, some yeah. ridiculous, you know, golf swing or some guy just taking divot after divot, like to the point where I'm almost want to go over and say something, you yeah. know, Hey man, can you change clubs or use a <laughs> golf tier? You know, you just, some guy trying to teach his kid and doing some weird drill or, oh, you know, it's yeah. like, 
you just want to stop stop them and 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 interrupt sometimes but then if you're in the middle of a lesson you can't really just you know push pause so it's i just sure. laugh sometimes Pe to myself people are ultimately people are awesome aren't they just some of the ideas and some of the things that people try it is it is really fantastic erica oh, yeah. you know you love golf i love golf you love teaching golf um if there was something a part about the game of golf itself that you could change or do away with what would it be um you know i would it's on tv we all watch these guys and they're 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 shooting you know 10 under par 20 under par for a tournament and it's just amazing and mind-boggling that they can you know put together back-to-back -back rounds and, and play that kind of golf which most of us will never get to experience uh, and it's fun to watch but i think that I would love to see less emphasis on score for the average golfer. Like, can we make this game more about different formats, make it more of a team event somehow, or uh, where there's just less emphasis on what's your handicap and more about the experience of being out there. I think yeah. in Europe, they do a better job of this. People seem to have many more, you know, four ball kind of matches that they do regularly, things like that. But stroke play competition is so hard. And to have that at the club level, even when you have yeah. net divisions is, is really, really depresses people. It makes them want to leave the game when they feel like they can't, you know, compete. Um, yeah. So I think that uh, I, I would love to see a, a shift in more, formats being popularized and you know certainly i would love to see uh, uh shorter courses more shorter courses really help grow this game become more popularized so par three pitch and putt type courses if we could get more yeah. of those in places that not only makes golf more accessible but makes the uh, uh i guess opportunity to get into the sport a little bit less intimidating mm. and and helps people really learn the game, you know, from the green back. I think those things are what I would like to see because we sell the sexiness of drivers and hitting the ball far. And that is a fun part of golf, but it also can be one of the reasons why, why I think people get frustrated with the game is they can't keep the ball in play. They're overwhelmed by these long golf courses that are beautiful. And, you know, there's a, mm -hmm. almost a badge of honor when you can check a golf course off your bucket list that you've played it. But I think the real fun is in the short stuff and, and feeling like you could master the game on a smaller level. And if you could yeah. shoot par from a short distance, I mean, then you can almost feel uh, and relate better to the players on TV that can do it from the full yardage. So that's what I would like to see more of that more gamifying that game, is, game of golf. That, that is a great, great point. I love that answer of yours because that is 100% spot on. You know, it's, it's, allowing people to feel like they can achieve and instead of beating them down with that scorecard uh, which can be a killer you know so often I'll I'll teach a husband and wife and the wife is somewhat new to the game and the husband is a golf coach right you, you ever met any husbands that are golf coaches on the side that's their side <laughs> job yes I know you're listening you're, you're out there uh, but I would, and I encourage the wife, look, no scorecard, no scores. If, if you make a double bogey, that's a high five. Okay. That's a good thing. And 
anything under that is a double high five. If you make anything more than a double bogey, forget about it. Leave it. You know, just note on your scorecard how many high fives and how many double high fives you had. That that's a great way to go about it. You know, growing up in South Africa, one thing we had uh, that is used predominantly in club type competitions is Stableford. And the beauty of Stableford is three points for a birdie, two for a par, one for a bogey, and that's net score. But if you make more than a bogey, don't even bother. Don't even bother. And so yep. you get a zero for a 10, an eight, or a double bogey on any hole that you make net. And so I think that's a neat way to do it. I really do. I like that idea. Yeah, I think I'd love to see more skins type competitions, you know, in smaller groups or uh, what's the format where you try to beat your own best score every time a ringer, like a ringer game. I mean, where mm. you have the opportunity, I think that that could be kind of a fun format or challenge, especially, I know they have those at clubs, but I don't know. You don't hear about them so much yeah. in, in leagues or uh, even, even on televised, you know, events. I think sure, it'd be cool sure. to do different kinds of formats more often. I think so. And, and a lot of what you're talking about even the way golf courses are designed and golf courses are made to look is due to something that I think is plays a big role in the game today and the way people try to play golf. And that is TV bias. I call it TV bias. We see these players shooting 20 under 20 under, as you said, and I know a lot of the guys go, well, you know, yeah, I, I've got to get this flop shot from a bad lie over the bunker up and down because I see the guys on TV doing it. Well, let's just try to get this thing on the green and two putt and make our bogey. You're a 19 handicapper. You're allowed to make bogeys uh, and go to the next hole instead of trying to be so heroic. And I think courses, we get dialed into how a golf course should look. Uh, with this green grass and white bunkers and 482 yard par four. Well, how many club golfers can reach a par four that's over 430, 440 yards? There's not many. There's a very slim percentage of golfers that can do that. And, you know, the best golf courses you've played, the best golf courses I've played are the ones that are fun. The ones where you stand on the tee and you go, I can do this. I can achieve. I think that's so important. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm all for, you know, many more pitch and putt type courses. That's how I learned the game. I think it was the best start I could have ever had. And we didn't even, we didn't really know that at the time or understand the value of that, but I would just love all these golf courses that have uh, failed in our, in our, you know, communities, right? Because the market's been oversaturated and, and golf courses have, uh, land has been bought up for housing developments and things like that. Could, could we ever steal just, you know, 50 acres or a hundred acre, not even a hundred acre, 50 acres, 20 acres, 10 yeah. acres. You know, I think I'm trying to remember now at Pinehurst, um, the cradle of course, which has become so popular. Yeah. And some of these other resorts have added these types of little amenities as well. I want to say that that takes up less than 10 acres, I want to say, uh, something like that. It's a very small amount of land, mm. relatively speaking, a normal golf course is hundreds, 250, 300 acres usually. So, you know, to take a, the size of ultimately what is the driving range and turn it into this place where people can learn more of the game, I think would be such a smart thing to do in, in places where real estate is, you know, a challenge. So it's fun. It, it's fun. 
and ultimately that's what the game should be mm -hmm. uh, it's it's well and good to go out and play a beastie golf course and say hey you know i played there and do you want to go and play there three times a week no 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 right. thank you i you know I, i'd rather take a, a a whack with a sandwich to the shin bone instead of going to play there uh every day it's nice to play there once maybe once a year once a season uh but i wouldn't want to have that as my daily staple i know over in europe and and in the uk in particular they have these little oftentimes on a little piece of land between the ocean and the main road they've got these little mini pitch and putt holes at courses and there might be five to nine holes out there and it's 50 yards and it's so fun because you get the wind and you've got this firm ground it's great stuff yes yeah and then you know it's not the conditions may not even be perfect. It might be shaggy greens and whatnot, but yeah. you know, that, 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 that's its own form of golf. It's not the uh, lightning fast greens that you're going to have at a pebble beach. It's not, it's just, it's, it's almost a different game, but it's still using ball and club and trying to get that yeah. ball in the hole in its own environment. And maybe again, we need to come up with other versions of golf for people to enjoy it, evolve into the game I, in different I, ways. I like that. I like that a lot. Erica, let's let, let's work it back to a little bit of golf instruction and how mm -hmm. can we help players play better golf? Which, if you could spend time with any coach, any sport, any person involved in the coaching of athletes, who would you like to spend time with? So I... I know it's going to sound odd, but I would love to spend time with like a, like a dance coach or a ballet coach or something like that, like a dance teacher, but a really, yeah. you know, knowledgeable. And yeah, I would, I did a little bit of that growing up, but I was uh, just recently watching a documentary on, I want to say Disney and uh, it's called on point. And I was just so inspired by some of these coaches and their ability to really give high level feedback and like specific instruction on how to get these mostly young people, you know, to move their bodies and really tuning into muscular movements and how, you know, how your foot and ankle and hip and core, everything should be in certain positions and moments. And yet these dancers, you know, pull together so many amazing moves quickly it's not like it's a slow always a slow tempo yeah. thing like uh, golf and like golf and they're able to coordinate very complex movements with such precision and also learn many routines very quickly you know so it makes me think that here we are asking our golfers to uh, coach we're coaching them on complex movements but yet we repeat these movements, you know, in different lies and, and potentially during under different conditions, but ultimately they're the same core movements. Think about how many different varieties of movement a dancer has to learn. They have many more mm. moves than a golfer. Yeah. We have sort of one pattern we're trying to train for full swing, more or less. Yeah. So wh why can't more golfers be better? Is it again, shame on us as coaches that we're, we're not demanding enough of the right quality of movement or is it that we just have a much more diverse audience of golfers that and people humans that just can't move as well as those elite dancers so those people can move their body any which way however they want mm -hmm. whenever they want and here we have a, 
um, maybe an older senior male or female player that just can't physically do what we would love for them to do. So there are those challenges, but you know, it would be interesting to, to see a, a dance coach take somebody that wasn't in, in perfect form. How would they get them to move better? Or is there a way of, of getting them to, you know, like dancing with the stars is a cheesy example, but it is amazing but the it, transformation it really is, that yeah. some of those guys and girls make over the course of the show yeah. And they come on and they're not so good. They're kind of clumsy. And before you know it, I mean, a little makeup, a little costume, but the coaching is, is really inspiring. So I yeah. just look to, to movement. I, I really enjoy understanding how people coach movement. And so I think that those kind of coaches should get a lot of credit for how they're able to produce athletes and, and movers in That's such great. a precise way. That's great. Good mm -hmm. answer. You know, a name that whenever I ask somebody this question, I think, how would I answer that question? So I'm going to answer it if that's okay. Um, th there's a baseball coach called Joe Madden. And Joe has the ability, because I think that the essence of coaching is getting the best performance out of each unique person, the ability to be able to take that super athletic 13 year old boy and perhaps that 62-year-old, not-so-athletic lady and get them, each of them, to play their best. And to me, that's the essence of coaching. And Joe Madden, I think of Joe Madden, what he does is he gets this band of players, everyone's from a different background, and he pulls them all together, and he's got these motivational signs all over the locker room. I would love to spend a day with Joe Madden and just learning how he's able to motivate and extract the best out of each of his players. That's, that's my answer to that yeah. question. If that's, that's a good if, answer. If Definitely. Me. Yeah, of course. Um, so there's so many different ways, you know, there's so many different ways. And, and that's one of the hardest things about golf is there are many facets to the game. And you alluded to that when you were talking about, you know, how many moves the dancers make, but in golf, there's a lot of facets to the game. There's you know, not only do we have tee shots, approach shots, short game shots and putting, but how's your equipment? How well do you move? Uh, what's your strategy? What's your plan to play this hole? And gee, there's so many areas we can help golfers with. Which, which area do you think, Erica, uh, if we take the, the golf population as a whole, which area do you think is the most lacking how can golfers, the everyday regular golfer, make the biggest gains with perhaps, we may even say it this way, the least amount of input, the least amount of work? How can someone make big gains by not doing a lot? I, I go back to short game. I think that it's not focused on enough by our average golfer going out when they practice. They typically go to the range, go straight <laughs> to the range, and maybe save a little time at the end for a few chip shots. I mean, I if more golfers spent more time just practicing chipping and then understanding strategies of how to use these tools, these wedges, understanding how yeah. they work, managing different kinds of lies. Uh, it's not the part of the game that's, again, the most glamorous, but whenever I give somebody a, a short game lesson or they come to a short game golf school or they learn aim point, you know, putting, golf, green mm. reading, it they immediately see a difference in their scores where full swing, 
maybe they'll hit a couple more fairways, maybe a couple more greens. It might help them, but really the process for making those changes, I feel takes longer. Uh, and you know, spending a lot of time with somebody out mm. on the course as a coach, it's very time consuming to do playing lessons. Sure. And so that's not always something even the golfer has the ability to, to do with a coach. So, but short game, you can get in lots of scenarios around a practice screen and really make the most of your time with that student, uh, with your coach and simulate what you're really going to see out there without necessarily going out on the golf course. And I think that's where the scoring potential for many average golfers could be elevated. Mm-hmm. And, you know, with Arcos being the sponsor of this episode, certainly I'm an Arcos ambassador, so I'm going to talk about them just because I believe in them. But one of the things I learned from all the data that they've collected is that two thirds of all shots inside 80 yards. So we've got shots from the fairway, shots from the rough and shots from the bunker. Okay, not on the green. Two thirds of those shots are played from the rough. I know this as a coach that I don't get my students to practice out the rough enough. And it's these kind of things that we can use uh, with these nuggets of data from Arcos and just by talking to other coaches, such as we're doing right now, uh, we can start to practice and work on an improvement plan that's ultimately going to prove to be more effective. How can we get better by doing less? We're all looking for that. That's, mm-hmm. that's the name of the world today is how can you give me something quickly? It's not going to take a lot of time. I want a better experience. I want a better performance in less time. Yeah. And it's recovery because, you know, when we don't hit that shot well from the fairway, we miss a green. I mean, you have to be able to recover if you're trying to ultimately improve your score and, and have fun and finish the hole. You know, it's feels so good when you can get up and down and make a, a, an amazing save for par or bogey where you didn't start the hole well and you end the hole well. I mean, that at least leaves a good taste in your mouth to go and then maybe also regroup for the next tee shot, start a new hole freshly because at least you, you know, got some momentum going. So I think that uh, if you can finish the hole well with a decent short game, you're you're on your way. But people don't spend enough time practicing or educating themselves about how to be better around the green. So both. Mm. Good stuff. Good stuff. I like it. Erica, which coach has had the greatest golf coach we're talking now which golf coaches have the greatest influence on you and how you teach what you teach so i was primarily self-taught early on i really didn't have many coaches coaching me directly uh learned a lot from reading so i have to go to my library to answer this question because you know those were my early influences and have stayed as my primary influences uh all the way through my whole career to now. Uh, the main one that I was most, I would say, uh, uh, influenced by both in my own playing ed career and, and then moving forward and teaching was Ernest Jones, which is super old school. But if you know anything about me, you know that that's where a lot of my inspiration for my teaching philosophy comes from. So uh, all about trying to produce a natural swing motion, understanding how to use your tool, a lot of external cues, feeling the weight of the club, being in tune with this object that you're swinging and how to get it moving around you in space uh, in a way that's not only natural and athletic, but efficiently moving that weight in a, in a way that uses momentum so that you can 
swing a little bit more effortlessly, create power more effortlessly. So he was probably the main one. He's at the top of my list when people ask me mm. that question, but uh, other, you know, influences in terms of that old library is certainly a, a Bob Tosky, um, um, Michael Hebron, um, uh, Davis Love, uh, senior, well, not senior, I guess, David Love, the second, right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The dad, um, the junior, dad, the dad, Davis's dad. Yeah. Uh, those guys, those, those original, that originally original crew, that rap pack, if you will, of coaches that, mm. you know, all did amazing things for a number of years before technology. And they had yeah. so many great insights and great feels and they were amazing players in their own rights. Mm. Uh, I think those are influences that stay with me and I go back to those books. Um, so George Knudsen was another great one. So I've studied those books and I've read them yeah. hundreds of times and I still go back and I find little phrases and things that I just love the language of how they describe the golf swing or, you know, create uh, an image for the golfer to visualize, to move better. And so those are yeah. the kind of cues I try to always use on my lesson tee, but they're the ones that have helped me the most too. Whenever I keep it simple and I, I, more, you know, visualize how I want to move than feel how I mm. want to move. That's always better for me than, than necessarily thinking about some specific mechanics. So mm. I like anything that has to do with external thoughts as much as possible, but still then generating internal feelings. So I think, you know, and, and you and I are the same. It's, we want that old school imagery that old school ability to communicate a feel and we're going to blend it with as much cutting edge current day knowledge due to the technology, the quantitative data, the measuring that the ability that we have to do that today, mm -hmm. but we want to blend it and package it into this fabulous image. And, and I know the most success you've had as a coach is the same as the most success I've had as a coach is when we can paint vivid pictures for our students, because they leave and they'll never forget that vivid picture. It stays with them and they go, I'm still working on trying to break the pain or stomp the bug or whatever it might be, you know? Exactly. And I agree with you. I, I use technology. I use TrackMan. I've use lots of different tools over the years. And it's great to be able to quantify what is going on in that moment with a student and give them some benchmarks that you're, you say, here we are day one, this was your baseline. And then you're going to try to do things differently because we I've coached you this way. And then, oh, by the way, this has been running in the background and look at these numbers now, look at how much you've changed because sometimes, you know, we don't always know if we're truly moving the needle uh, as the golfer they don't know it feels so different maybe they might be disoriented kind of in some new sensations and ball flight theoretically should speak for itself but it's nice to show that hey you're, you're almost there you know maybe that club face isn't quite where we want it but the swing direction is changing you're on the right track look at these numbers so it's a way of I I think encouraging people to just validate that and get them to commit to they're on the right they're on the right train of thought stay with it uh, this is proving that we're doing the right things. So I like, I like using both. Don't get me wrong, but uh, I certainly the coaching aspect is for me more of the old school stuff that I enjoy. Oh, I, I'm, I'm totally with you, girl. I'm totally with you. I think, uh, you know, what you teach and how you teach is fantastic. It's how it should be. 
in my books. And, and I do want to encourage everybody in case you do not follow, currently follow Erica on Instagram or any kind of social media, please do yourself a favor. You will have fun. You will learn. You will get better at golf. Go and find her on Instagram, on Twitter, anywhere you can type in Erica Larkin, go and find her. She does an exceptional job in communicating and you'll see exactly what we've just touched on there. This imagery, these feels, this connection to what we do in our everyday life to how we can use that to play better golf and get a better feel. Thank you. So, Thanks for that. <laughs> um, you got it. Erica, let's go, let's go deep a little bit here. If, if you evaluated your life as it is today and you said, okay, what one thing, if I were to remove one thing that I currently do in my life today, uh, what would it be? What would I stop doing to improve my life to ultimately, so I'm, when I'm lying on my deathbed and I look back, I go, that was a good move. That was a good decision. What would it be? This is a deep one. Oh, goodness. Uh, so, wow. Uh, I would say that I would do a better job of trying to just stay in the present, especially when I'm around my family. It's so easy to get distracted by work, constant connection to my devices and reaching out to students and checking up on a million people and posting on social media and working on the next project. And I'm a self you know, claim definitely workaholic. I, I, I enjoy hard work. I enjoy the process. I love what I do. I'm passionate about it. So it never feels like work, but I kind of get caught up in it sometimes. And I have to sort of stop myself and put down my phone and close the laptop and just, just stop, stop <laughs> and go enjoy my life and my family yeah. because, you know, my kids are growing up fast and I don't want to miss out on, on good moments. And so I just, hope that I can look back and feel that I've achieved the balance that I would like to have. Uh, and it's a constant, it's a constant uh, process for me to always be managing that mm. um, my time and being That's spread very, there. very thin. Yes. So I would yeah. say, what could I stop doing right now? I could probably uh, maybe not stress out about it so much. I think I, I also am hard on myself sometimes more than I should be, but mm. I just, I think just taking those, those days of the week, for me, it's usually a Sunday. I try to always block that off and having that quality family time and, and taking the five to 10 minutes each night, you know, after dinner to just sit and talk to my kids without anything going on and see what is really going on in their brain. And what else do you want to tell me? I mean, that pillow talk with them when they were a little younger, putting them to bed and stuff is so valuable, but but now yeah. that they're getting older and there's less of that, I have to find those other times to connect with mm. them and with my spouse too, my husband. Like, you know, it's, it's easy. We're going in a hundred directions, um, different things, projects, taking one kid this way, one kid that way. I have a work trip. You have a meeting. See you later. It's just so, you know, finding that, that those times are, are more and more challenging the, the more life gets busy. And, and to be honest, this whole year of COVID that we've had and being home more, uh, and my husband not traveling for work and the kids not having as many activities with school and being at home learning virtually has given us this little bonus time that I've enjoyed and tried to uh, not 
you know, not squander and try to take those extra moments that we have found just by way of this whole situation and make the most of them and play the, mm. play the board, play the board game and, you know, uh, read, read a book with, with my son or whatever it might be. So those kind of things I try to make time for as much as possible. That's great. Some weeks, that, some that, weeks are better than others. <laughs> That's the thing. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Um, your answer is exactly as mine would be. What is your family's favorite board game or card game or game that you play? Poker. <laughs> Poker, really? Yeah. I like it. Uh, you'll have to we, teach me someday. I don't know. Oh, we love. Them. Oh, I don't. I don't even know how to do that. Yeah, it's, my, I got to be one of the play. few people. <laughs> Oh, they would get a lot of money from me. <laughs> we enjoy um, we we're, we enjoy chess. Uh, my daughter doesn't play yet, but my son is getting better. Uh, that's again more of a one-on-one -on -one game. But as a family, yeah. we love um, Pictionary, so we get the whiteboard out, and that is so hysterical. Watching funny, everybody yeah. try to draw, yeah. you know, so that's a fun one. Have you seen that chess series? That uh, that there's a series on chess. Have you seen? I forget what it's called. Yes, Queen's, uh, Queen's Gambit. Gambit. Queen's Gambit. Mm. Yes. I haven't Have sat and it? watched it in its entirety. My family's been watching it, so I've been catching episodes. I need to sit okay. down and watch from the beginning. But it, the characters look really good. Everybody's been saying so many great things about it. So I need to just watch watch That's it cool. in its completion. Yeah, it's great. It's neat. It's neat. It's neat. Erica, so here we go. We're going to talk a little bit. Uh, we're going to do what I call the fast finish. Uh, fast finish. And uh, we're going to come up with a bonus question for you. Okay. Bonus okay. question for you. Um, I'm not sure what the bonus question is going to be yet. By the time we get to the end, I will have something for you. <laughs> <laughs> I've been trying to figure out like, what's a good one for Erica, but I haven't got anything yet. Hopefully I'll have something for you at the end. Okay. Okay. So this is going to work like this. You're going to get an A or a B, and you just throw your choice out. Don't think too much. Don't reason it out too much. We're just going to go with it. Okay. okay. Fast finish questions. Rolling Stones or Beatles? The Beatles. Lynx <laughs> Golf or Parkland Golf? Mm. Uh, Parkland, that's what I grew up with. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Walk or ride? Uh, I, I do like to walk, but I typically am lazy and I ride. <laughs> I don't know. I appreciate the is, honesty. Is a, walking is more of the true golf experience and just paces yourself and you see so much more of the course and you don't have to go running for your different golf clubs. You have everything right with you. So I, I would say walk. Cool. Uh, Annika or Mickey Wright? Annika. I mean, that's who I, I grew like up that. watching. I have to. Yeah. I, I know about Mickey, right? I know the history and yeah. I certainly respect her. But I mean, Annika was just such a, a role model for me at the time I was growing up. The Women's Open Championship or the Women's U.S. Open? Uh, the U.S. Open. Yeah, that's U.S. Open. I, yeah. Uh, Jack or Tiger? Oh, goodness. That's so tough. I got to say Tiger because again, I just grew up watching him. Yeah. I have so many, so many more memories and stories. Jack was not as I was, I was yeah. not a golfer when Jack was in his prime. So I kind of missed yeah. that 
Yeah. I would have bet good money you would say Tiger, but I was surprised at how you pondered that question, which means you give Jack a lot of weight. Oh, yeah. Tiger, you know, you give Jack a lot of weight. Uh, Caddyshack or Tin Cup? <laughs> Caddyshack. I love Bill Gotta Murray. Gotta go with that. Uh, <laughs> Pebble Beach or St. Andrews? Oh, I haven't played St. Andrews yet. So I have to Me say neither. Pebble. I have to say okay. Pebble just as a, because of the experience, amazing experience I had there, but I'll let you know on that one. Please do. I, I hope <laughs> to beat you to, the, to, the, to that. <laughs> um, would you rather be the best iron player or the best driver? Uh, I would rather be the best iron player. Oh, yeah. Good answer. Because, because then you always have a chance to score. Good answer. Good yeah. answer. Okay. So, and now, you can hit irons off the tee. You don't even need your driver then. So. Yeah. Yeah. You're finding it. <laughs> you're finding all these loopholes in my questions, Erica. <laughs> Okay, so I know this. This is something you work hard at. Um, bonus question. A session in the gym or a run? Oh, session in the gym. I can't, really? I, I'm good for like, I'm good for like two to three miles running and I'm just I just get bored. I'm just not a runner. Never. I've never gotten into running. Not to say never is ne never say never. Right. But I just yeah, much yeah, prefer yeah. the gym environment and, and being around other people in a kind of a class setting and um, mixing it up. I feel like running is very one dimensional. And if I was going to run, I would certainly do it outside versus inside on like a treadmill. But um, yeah, definitely gym. Cool. Cool. Eric, I got one question for you. Uh, why did you align yourself, your brand, your expertise with golf fanatics? So I feel as though my golf instruction is really for that, that average golfer out there. And the mission of golf fanatics really reaching that clientele certainly aligns with my instruction. I like the idea of sending simple messages out as we've talked about and, and really um, making sure that the communication is such that I'm talking to that golfer. When I do my tips, when, I'm, when I wrote my book, it was, it was with that golfer in mind. Uh, there's a lot of coaches out there that teach elite players they're, and they're amazing coaches, right? Uh, they teach elite yeah. juniors and tour players. Uh, that's not me. I have some elite players that I teach, but the bulk of my clients and the people I enjoy teaching the most are those mid to high handicap players, the new golfer, uh, trying to get in the game, understanding the game. I love so much ed educating people ab about golf, helping them increase their golf IQ, right? And helping them help themselves or the elite player already knows so many of those things. So it's just fun sharing the game with somebody that, that doesn't know. And I love trying to get the message to them so simply in the best way that I've learned how um, to help them avoid the struggle that learning can be, you know, can I save this person some frustration? Like, don't, Oh no, wait, <laughs> don't do it this way. Do it this way. Before you even, you know, get to that point, you're on, just steering them, steering them, helping to steer them in the right directions, just to save them some frustration. What a great answer. Erica, you are the best. 
You oh, are a you. rock star lady. Right back Keep at up you, Andrew. Thank you. Keep up the great, great work that you do. Uh, and thanks so much for sharing a little bit of your time. I hope we didn't take away too much, too much of your time with your family. And uh, shut that cell phone off a little earlier today, <laughs> would you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll try to do the same. <laughs> you too. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks, I'll Erica. See you later, Cheers, Andrew. Eh? Thanks, guys.